Well, good evening there, my darlings. And I hope you're all getting ready for a, a very ho-ho-ho Christmas. Well, I can't say that Christmas is my favorite time of year. It's all a bit too joyful for me. No, I just prefer to spend the day catching up on my black magic. I'll leave the joyfulness for others. And talking of joyfulness, how about these stories? Our first one involves those strange children with those strange black eyes. I can't imagine what you'd call them. This story takes place around four years ago, back when I was around 21 or 22 years old. But before we dive right in, there's some important information that needs to be known. My mom lives in this really nice neighborhood that's built around a series of man-made ponds. We were one of the first buyers in the community back almost 15 years ago and had the luxury of picking out whatever plot of land we wanted. Naturally, we chose a property right on top of the biggest pond, and from our place we could see all the other ponds and a small creek that snaked across the whole neighborhood. Growing up there was amazing because my sisters and I are adventurous people. We loved exploring the houses as they were being built and dumpster dive to get scrap materials to build forts in the woods. We also discovered the neighborhood sat on top of a huge cow graveyard. Apparently, the land used to belong to a farmer who would bury his deceased animals in the woods. As weird as it sounds, the cul-de-sac kids and I liked collecting the remains and put them in our fort. My mom was cool with it. She talked it up to our weird collection as kids just being kids. But some of the other parents weren't too thrilled and forbid us to go to that area anymore. But enough about that. The way my mom's house is built is kind of hard to explain. It's a massive two-story building with a giant basement. As I mentioned before, the pond is in the backyard but is down a slope, hence the need for the basement. When you walk in from the front, there's a big open floor plan. You can pretty much see the entirety of the whole house from when you first enter, including the beautiful view in the backyard. However, as you walk into the back of the house from the front door, you'll see the back porch. You can exit through the back, but we'll need to go down some stairs if you want to reach the pond. The other neat thing about the main floor is that it's basically all windows, allowing a lot of natural light in. It's really nice, but we admittedly never had enough curtains and the blinds were always open. My neighbors saw a lot of my awkward dancing growing up. From the main floor, you had the option of going up the stairs to the bedrooms my sisters and I used, or going to the basement and having the option to going out the back to the pond. My older sister had the best room in the house. Not only was it the biggest, but it had a secret room she deemed the midget room because of the small crawl space sized door that opened up into it. Unfortunately, when she entered high school, she decided to mess with things she never should have and release something into the house. Doors would open and close on their own. Our cats would all gather around the midget room door. I'd have horrible nightmares and wake up with welts and scratches on my body that I couldn't explain. There was even one time I tossed and turned at night, wanting a glass of water, and woke up to see my two-year-old sister at the foot of the bed with a cup of water saying, the boy in the walls said you were thirsty. The house was eventually cleansed by a priest when my sisters moved out. But around that time, something unexplainable happened. I've always believed in the paranormal, 
There have just been too many things in my life that I can't explain. And though at times in that house I felt unwelcomed or unsafe, I always tried my best to investigate to see if it could be explained away. But sometimes you just can't. In 2014, I was dating this guy. We'll call Trevor. Trevor also believed in paranormal things and was interested in my mother's house. We went over one night to have dinner with them, and I wound up being roped into watching a movie on the main floor. The family turned in around midnight, and Trevor and I ended up staying up and talking. I remember commenting on how beautiful and big the moon was in the sky, and the two of us sat in silence on the couch watching it shine over the pond. And that's when I saw it. Black-eyed children soaking wet in all white marching from the water, at least a dozen of them, almost glowing in a pale silver light. I watched them climb into a straight line across one side of the house, which made no sense. Unless they were over 10 feet tall, there was no way they could have been eye level with us. Trevor and I both were at a loss for words. I asked him if he was seeing what I was seeing, and before he could speak, a girl snapped over her head towards us and stared us down. It was haunting. Watching a thin smile etched across her lips gave me chills, even at this moment. I ran over to the window to look for her, but she turned and vanished right before my eyes. I shouted at Trevor that we need to go outside and see if we could reach them, but he hesitated, so I left him. Once outside, I couldn't find a single trace of the children anywhere. I even raced around to the pond, my heart hammering inside my chest. There was something mystifying about it. Earlier in the night, Trevor and I had been in my parents' rowboat talking. I waved him to help me push it back out, but he flat out refused. He said he had a bad feeling about this. He felt like I was being lured into the water. I stared at him like he was crazy but jumped at sounds of loud popping clapping coming through the air like gunshots coming from the front of my house. Trevor made me follow close behind him as we made our way back to the front of the house. Interestingly enough, all that was there was a CD on the sidewalk. It wasn't broken or anything. It just wasn't there when I first shot out the door. Trevor scooped it up and said he'd take it and see if he could figure out what was on it. We broke up shortly after that but I never did find out what was on that CD. Late last night, my daughter, who's 21, her friend, 21, and I, 43, had spent the evening at a drag show in Galveston, Texas. After the show, we decided to drive down to the beach for a few minutes before we headed home. The beach we usually go to was kind of a far drive from where we were, and it was almost 3am, so we decided to pull into a beach access that we had never been to before. I pulled in and drove around in a circle to shine the headlights in a 360 so we could kind of scope out the area before we got out. I parked next to a trash can, kind of close to the dunes. As soon as we got out of the car, I felt a heaviness. It's hard to explain. I just felt something weird and my intuition was to get back in the car immediately and leave. I wish I had done. I didn't find out until later that my daughter and her friend had the same feeling. There was no moon, so the only light was from a few beach houses on the other side of the dunes. I keep a huge baton flashlight taser in my car, so I grabbed it and we walked down to the water. Suddenly, out of the corner of my eye, 
I saw my daughter's friend turn around really fast and look back towards the car. She had heard a sound coming from the direction of the dunes. She grabbed my flashlight and pointed it towards my car and she and I both saw something standing right up against my car. Neither of us were exactly sure of what we were looking at because it seemed to fade away when the flashlight hit it. It's so hard to describe, but it was like you could only see it in the edge of the light from the flashlight, like it only existed between light and dark. I grabbed the flashlight back and shined it directly where it was standing, and it was gone. Just kind of disappeared. It was very surreal. This heaviness that I felt when we first got there was suddenly unbearable, and we all knew we had to leave as quickly as possible, because we were all kind of frozen in fear. We slowly made our way back to the car, but as we got close, my daughter and her friend saw the same figure crouch down next to the trash can with its back facing them. It was eerily silent as we ran to the car, jumped in and sped off. It was complete silence in the car for a few minutes until we got down the road a bit. Then I asked if they wanted to talk about what we had just seen, and we all just collectively freaked the absolute fuck out tears and everything. My daughter only saw it from the front for a split second, but her friend and I looked directly at it and we both described exactly the same thing. Judging by the height of my car, we estimated it to be at least 6265. It was very tall and slim. It had a human shape, but the face was just kind of blank, with two black spaces where eyes should be, like the eyes were there, just really sunk in. Its face kind of had the shape of a long Gandalf-type beard, but it was fleshy, not hair. It had really long arms, one of which was resting on the top of my car on the back passenger door. It seemed to be wearing what looked like a robe, but it was part of the creature, like his flesh was in the shape of long robe sleeves, no hands, just long fleshy flaps. It was just standing there, kind of slouching, like it wasn't standing up all the way, and it just stared blankly at us, almost through us. When I say a heavy feeling, we could physically feel some sort of presence as soon as we had gotten there. I have personally never felt so much anxiety, fear and terror in my life. I have no idea what the fuck we saw, but there is definitely a lingering, weary feeling through my whole body since it happened that I can't seem to shake. My daughter says she feels the same way. Every time we talk about it, we get chills. I'd heard from a friend's friend that there is a place in a nearby village of Kurnol in Serbia where fairies go out of an abandoned well near the old road at night. So I decided to go there and see for myself. Me and my friend were ready to go on that one day and we got three more people to go with us. We all went together on the trip to visit the old well. Those three people did not believe in the phase story and thought it was just having fun in random places at 3 a.m. The moment our car took a turn onto the road, the joke stopped and people started being disturbed by something. The distance to the well was around one kilometer from the entrance of the road it was pretty far from anything really, only crops and trees around. We were all nervous and I had a warning in my body that something is wrong. 
They wanted to go with a car all the way to the well, but I insisted that we leave the car behind and go on foot, thinking we might scare whatever fay is out there with the noise and the lights. They listened to me and stopped in front of the last house on that road. The dogs were barking and howling, and we thought it's because they heard us. At this point, some people were scared because they were just guys from the nearby village and didn't really believe in all this. They wanted to stay in the car, but then decided to stay with us because we were much safer together. And so we departed in silence and without light in the darkness of the road. People were trying to start a talk out of nervousness, and I started to feel that we were entering something like a barrier, something like a membrane. And I thought I heard some voices in the distance. I silenced them and told them to stop moving so I could hear it better. Then I realized not only the dogs near that house were barking, but all the dogs in the distance from other lawns and figured it's not us they are barking at. The moment I thought I would hear something more, I heard it again. Female voices, very quiet and very far. Barely heard, but we all heard it. And we all felt the membrane as we passed through it. Now we were about 200 meters from the well, and the voices grew closer and louder. People were visibly scared now, and I stopped them again to hear more clearly. The voices were gone. Instead, it was a single female, continuous, painful scream. Like she is suffering a lot. I have never heard a sound like that before. It was 100% female and similar to human, but something about it was drastically different. My friend described it as if a really strong and vital woman was screaming. The three guys were really disturbed and they decided to go back to the car. I told them it's okay, but I still want to go further. One guy stayed with me, he was less afraid, and I was glad that he would go with me and I wouldn't go alone any further. The two of us continued, slower and quieter than before. The screaming became closer and Barrier became feeling more intense as if I'm walking through water. I felt pressure all through my body and I felt their power. That is something I cannot describe with words. When I felt that I realized how inferior we are to them and how much more intelligent and powerful they are. And as we were near the well, some distance like 50 meters or so, we couldn't see it because the world was curved, so the trees were covering my sight. I felt something gripping my throat. My body froze in place. Not from fear or anything else, but physically, I could not move. Like some force is holding me. Like I'm between two walls, pressed from all sides. I asked the guy next to me, Do you feel it too? And he said yes. Then I realized the screaming was no more. The dog stopped barking. Even the insects were quiet. Every sound just stopped. We just heard our own breathing and leaves moving in the wind. Then I felt terror. And I knew if I were to take another step, I will die. And we will all die. Thankfully, this gripping feeling wasn't preventing me from going back. And I told the man we should go back. So we did as quiet and careful as we could, scanning our surroundings around us. I was praying that I don't see anything tailing us on the road behind us or around us, and there was none, but the feeling of terror and lack in my breath as I couldn't breathe. 
I saw the car in the distance and felt much better when we found out everyone was alive and well. The friend I was with, after the screaming had started, felt that something is between us and the car, so he got really scared and led those two back. On the way back, they heard everything we did. They heard the dog stop barking, and 10 meters away from the car, there was a small barn. On the roof of that barn, they saw something white, some sort of white, pale being jumping on top and watching them. They all saw it, and they started praying for their safety and were scared to death. They all described it as smaller than human, hunched, and its facial features were distorted. I did not see it, nor did the man who came further with me. But as they were talking about it later, I saw the exact picture in my mind. We came back to my friend's house and shared what we felt and heard and saw. And we all heard the same things. We all felt the same things. None of us were drunk or stoned or anything. We were all straight and shocked from what we encountered. And I'm really glad there were four more witnesses so I can trust my perception was not deceived. We do not know what we encountered, and so we searched through the whole of Slavic mythology and only found one fitting for what we felt and heard, which was Urusalka. During the encounter, my head was fed with various data and pictures as we proceeded through all this. I had it that there were six fairies without wings, like a regular female figure, standing in a circle around one dead fae with wings, a lot smaller, in a little pool of blood. And I got info that there was some kind of ritual. The white thing was its guardian, and the bounded field was there to repel us. From the start, we were at mortal threat, and if any one of us had a bad intention, or did anything wrong, we would all have been dead by now, for these beings feel every thought and every bit of intention, and have power immeasurable by our physical bodies. This all happened on August 17, 2021, between 2.40 and 3.40 a.m. at the village Kernul. If anyone has experienced or seen anything similar, I would really love to hear it. It's no lie that I have experienced many a paranormal encounter for my 26 years of life on this planet, and given that I live on top of an old hospital, I've always believed in it. I have autism, so I am normally very critical of the world around me and would like to find an answer for everything. But some things I have discovered simply could not be explained. One of my earliest encounters, well, the earliest I can remember, has stuck with me for what feels like an eternity, and I can still remember it with great detail. I've told the story in the past, though much shorter for the sake of conversation, to family and friends, and though some who believe in the paranormal may listen with great interest, those on the more skeptical side of things always tell me that it was just a dream. And while sometimes I do question whether it was or not, the reality is that it was way too real to be put down as just a bad nightmare. This is my first time ever telling it with excessive detail, and it's thanks to recent discussions about the night in question with my nan today that I finally have all the details to make this story complete. This is a long one. It happened to me when I was about 7 years old. So do bear with me whilst I bring to light every detail that I can. So. On to my story. It was the summer of 2002 and my family had booked a holiday in North Wales, England in a small seaside town called Morpha Neffin, 
I was seven. My brother was five. My baby sister, who was coming up to her first birthday, we were all joined by my grandparents and my aunt Laura. My grandparents had paid for the place we were staying in and also rented a large people carrier type car so we could all travel together without having to drive both of their cars from Norfolk and to where we lived in South London and then all the way to North Wales. It worked out better that way and no one wanted to split us kids into two cars and face arguments of who wants to ride with Nan and who wants to ride with Grandad. An argument that always broke out between us on other family holidays. When we got to the house we were staying in, I remember being in awe at the sheer size of the giant white building before us and thinking just how much it would have cost to rent. I asked my nan that exact question and she simply shrugged it off and said it wasn't much. She simply wanted our family to enjoy ourselves without worrying about the cost of it. Something that didn't come naturally to a family that was always used to the thin line of poverty. The house itself is a large white building that was split into two floors. Large living room and kitchen diners on each floor and about 14 bedrooms in total. I equated the house to be more of a mansion than a house. It was simply that big compared to my seven-year-old self. The house also had a large garden that sloped up the steep hill that my parents considered too dangerous for us to play in due to the landscaping and jutting rocks. But I do remember pestering my dad throughout our stay to let me go outside by the back patio to see the strange birds that had made a nest in a small passageway by the back door. My nan told me they were swifts and I was fascinated by them. I love birds and the city only ever had pigeons and house sparrows. They seemed boring in comparison. And though the swifts were exciting to my animal-loving, autistic self, the most exciting part of this house was getting to choose a room that I could have all to myself. Back home, we had a small two-bedroom house. My siblings and I were crammed into one bedroom. Good old council estate living. So I was more than pleased to spend a week in my own bed, in my own room, away from my brother and baby sister. The room I chose was on the ground floor at the end of a corridor, literally the furthest room from the others I could find, and by sheer luck, I was the only one in that corridor. My parents chose a room a little past that corridor so they could keep an eye on me and my brother, who also had the same idea to choose a room as far from me as possible. It wasn't long before the sun started to set, and my parents and my grandparents sat in the living room upstairs chatting away with a glass of wine. I decided to head the bed to relax and let the long car ride wash away in a mountain of pillows and deep sleep. I loved my sleep and knowing that I'd be able to sleep without any disturbances for my siblings felt like a blessing. Little did I know that my dreams of solitary sleep weren't going to last for long. Whilst I slept soundly on the first night and woke up refreshed and ready to explore the nearby beach and travel inland for some sightseeing with my family. The second night was completely different. We got back, we had some dinner, enjoyed a bit of TV as my brother and I played on the patio out back. The sun started to go down and my dad called us both inside to start getting ready to go to bed. Me, still being fascinated with the swift nest, looked up at it and pleaded to my dad, let me stay until I saw 
the parents come back, as I didn't want the eggs to be lonely. It hadn't hatched yet, so I was confused as to why I hadn't heard the mummy bird on them tonight. My dad told me she was sleeping, just as I should be. I admitted defeat and followed him inside, and turned to go down to my room, and turned to go down to my room to grab my pajamas and just froze. The corridor that my room was located down was suddenly so much darker than it was the previous night. Something within me told me not to go down there. That was dangerous and spooky. I was thoroughly creeped out. I felt the hair on my arms stand up and chills ran down my back. I felt like something was about to jump out of the dark, attack me, and devour me in one. I ran to my parents in the living room and pleaded with them to let me sleep in a different room. I was hysterical and crying, nearly at the point of meltdown. Just as my dad was about to compromise and let me switch rooms with my brother, my mother stepped in and told me, suck it up, and that because I chose that room, I was stuck with it. Yeah, she wasn't a good mother, and it would be another 15 years before I saw her for who she really is, but that's a whole other story. So I sulked back in my room. I was stuck with it, and there was nothing I could do other than push past my fears and try and get some sleep. I cried in silence, knowing that I was alone, scared, and that my mother didn't care that I was so terrified. Eventually, I fell asleep, thinking of the swift nest and the little eggs that were up there, hoping that I would see the babies hatch before our holiday ended. Needless to say, I did not sleep all that night. I tossed and turned endlessly, struggling to get comfortable and settle down, knowing that the spooky corridor was just a few feet away. My mother's words kept playing in my mind over and over again. I was so helpless that I couldn't speak up about it, knowing that my emotions would be dismissed, just like they always were. Eventually, I let the fatigue take over and carry me into a deep slumber. I just let my brain shut off, and I drifted to sleep. I wasn't asleep for long, maybe two hours, before I realized I was awakened by a noise that sounded just like a growl right by my ear. My eyes burst open and I was immediately met with two red glowing eyes right in front of my face. Standing in front of the window was a large dog, bigger than I'd ever seen, with thick, shaggy black fur and a muzzle curled up in a snarl, showing off its slightly yellowed, long canine teeth. Looking back, it looked like an Irish wolfhound in size and shape, but with a longer, ragged, jet black fur. Without thinking, I clenched my eyes shut and flipped over in bed, simply thinking that I was still asleep and that it would simply go away. But as I laid there, I heard the growl again right in front of me. I opened my eyes and quickly shut them as the dog was now on the other side of the bed, still growling with its head low like it wanted to get down to my eye level and stare into my soul. I flipped over again to face the window and the dog was there again. No matter which way I faced, the dog was there, snarling, staring, a low growl escaping his mouth. Loud enough to hear, but not loud enough for any of the adults to hear. I was alone and couldn't escape, and no help was coming. I don't know what drove me to do it, but after turning over for about the tenth time, I thought, screw it. With my eyes glued shut, I sat up as quickly as I could and reached to turn on the lamp on the bedside table. The moment the room filled with light, 
the growling stopped. I slowly opened one eye, and to my surprise it had worked. The dog was gone. But I was still terrified. I didn't want to turn the light off, as it seemed to be keeping the giant dog at bay, and I didn't want to go to sleep, only to be woken by the dog again. I must have sat awake for a good half an hour, pondering where it had gone and whether it was real or not before finally putting it down to just a bad dream, and that I had truly woken up when I turned the lamp on. Everything else that I thought had happened, I was actually asleep for. I laid back down and flicked off the lamp, ready to drift off again, now that I had finally calmed myself down and rationalized the situation. I had dreamt it all, projected my fears about the hallway into the shape of a dog, and let paranoia take over. Oh, how wrong I was. I had only closed my eyes for a few minutes before I heard the growling again, but this time much louder and at the foot of my bed. I kept my eyes closed and stayed as still as possible, praying silently that it would go away. Instead, I felt the foot of the mattress sink down as it started to climb onto the bed. The growling grew louder and louder as it inched closer to me. I was terrified and frozen in fear. As I felt one of its giant paws press up against my leg through the covers, its claws digging into my thigh above my knee. It was right on top of me now, and I could feel its breath through its snarled teeth landing on my cheek. I don't know what drove me to do it, but I opened my eyes. Curiosity, maybe, but I didn't. It came face to face with those haunting red eyes mere inches from my own, and I let out the most blood-curdling scream. I have ever made in my short seven years of life. Within seconds, I heard frantic footsteps running towards my room, and the door was flung open. My mother found me curled up on my bed, screaming between sobs and erratic as I looked around the room. The dog was gone, for good this time it seemed. My mother comforted me as I tried my best to tell her everything, and she wiped away my tears with her sleeve. Of course she didn't believe me, and had put it down to a bad dream. She told me that dreams don't hurt you, and that it's all in my head. Her usual go-to whenever I spoke about anything that upset me, to be honest, I kind of expected it. She put me back in bed when I eventually stopped crying, and somehow, I fell back to sleep without incident. The dreams don't hurt you nonsense was a clear lie, come morning, because by the afternoon, your large bruise had started to form where the dog's paw dug into my thigh. It hurt so bad that I spent the rest of our holiday hobbling around North Wales with my nan's hiking stick just to aid me. There's even a picture somewhere of me and my brother standing in front of a steam train a few days after this incident occurred, and I had that hiking stick in my hand. The rest of the holiday carried on without any other issues. I switched rooms to the one closest to my parents, and I never saw the black dog again. Overall, I enjoyed Wales in the quiet town of Morpha Neffin. We would spend our evenings walking down the beach and playing in the sand. Me and my brother would even make friends with a few local kids, and we would play in the sand, digging a hole so big that we'd all fit in and quickly called the bunker. And if you're wondering about the swift nest, the babies hatched just two days before our trip ended and we were greeted every morning until we left by the sound of very hungry, featherless chicks begging for food from parents. Featherless chicks begging their parents for food. I didn't want to leave them, and sorrowfully waved goodbye to them when it was finally time for us to leave, and headed back to our little South London home. 
though this is most definitely an up-close and personal encounter with a black dog, I didn't know that black dogs were a thing of legend across Wales and much of the UK until I told the story to a friend in college and she told me that it was a black dog. I did more research into it and sure enough, she was right. The pictures I found of the Welsh black dog, the Gwishki, matched what I saw that night almost perfectly and it said that if you see this creature at night, death is certainly not far behind. And death did follow. I found the dates and double checked with my dad at that time sure enough my great great granddad passed away due to a heart attack exactly two weeks after that night well that's all the stories we have for this very special season final we will be back in a few weeks but while you're waiting, why don't you go back over our old episodes so you can listen to some of our earliest stories. There's some real gems in there. Have a wonderful new year, everyone, and I'll see you on the other side. <laughs>